Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. Now, before we get on with today's episode, we are very excited to tell you that we're still sponsored by the brand new Eurovision exhibition based in the small town of Husavik in Iceland. Now, as you know, the town found fame in the story of Fire Saga, the Eurovision film released on Netflix back in 2020. And since then, fans from around the world have wanted to travel to Iceland to see the setting for the smash hit film. Now, if the stunning scenery isn't enough to make you want to travel there, then an exhibition has just opened. It opened on Friday, showcasing the history of the Eurovision Song Contest, Iceland's participation, as well as some of the most memorable props and memorabilia from the film itself. So to find out more, including to see some of the behind the scenes pictures from the official opening last week, be sure to check them out on Twitter at Eurohusevik. But now let's get on with the podcast. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. Hi, we are Davi Ogakamakne, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Berlin and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar. Come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, we are turning the clock back because, as you guessed it, none of the 2021 artists replied to their emails. But we don't care because, James, we've got a very exciting guest to join us. We certainly do. The man with the mask, as I shall call him, Joust, who, alongside Alexander Wallman, represented Norway at the contest back in 2017 with the song Grab the Moment. Now, Joust is a wonderful, wonderful character. He loves his music. He loves the Eurovision Song Contest. If you remember, cast your minds back a couple of years, try to help the BBC out once as well. That's a great anecdote to come. But including in our interview, in our chat with him, you'll also hear this little snippet, which I'll warn you, does include a very bad impression of a pig. I do understand that it's not allowed because it's a few more things that could go wrong. I could like within like a second just touch a button and then uh, switch over to the pig sounds on the keyboard instead. <laughs> it would be Wow. I definitely want to hear how that came up. We'll find that later on. We have got, honestly, so much to fit into this episode, so you'd probably be grateful to hear that me and James probably won't talk very much, just because we've got so many guests joining us. We have not one, but two news guests on the podcast this week, because there is loads going on in the world of Eurovision. I will be heading over to Greece, virtually, of course, to find out what's going on with their Eurovision selection and who could be representing them in Turin. And I will be 
as again virtually heading to Sweden to chat to Toby Eck to chat all things Melody Festival. And you know we love Melfest here on the podcast, and there's some big news over there, so we'll be getting all the latest on that. So, James, come on, tell us, give us a rundown. Where can people listen to the podcast? You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Another week, another Wednesday, and another episode of the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you very much for joining us for your weekly dose of Eurovision news and a very, very exciting interview with Joust coming up. I don't want it to sound like we're like overselling the interview with Joust because we're delighted that Joust is here, but we hope that maybe... If you're listening, by the way, class of 2021, we still want you on the podcast. We haven't forgotten about you just because Eurovision in Rotterdam was a few months ago. You got new music out. You want to flog anything. Honestly, we'll take it. You got a poster book out. You got a new calendar for Christmas. We'll talk to you about it. Honestly, if Tusa's got a calendar out, I want to hear about it. I was going to say, if you had to choose an artist to pin up on your wall throughout the entirety of 2022, who's it going to be? Uh, to answer your question, James, who would I like on my wall in calendar form? I'm going to say... We all know you're going to say Hurricane, so let's quickly move on Okay, this. fine. Well, I'm pleased that we wasted the last 60 seconds. Go on, you? Is it Albina? It's Albina, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it might probably be Albina. Let us know. Uh, <laughs> God, what a, what a question that is. <laughs> if you're inclined, tell us who you'd pin up on your wall in the calendar for 2022. But uh, should we look back in last week's episode? Wow. You know, we said we weren't going to waste much time. And yet here we are. Rob, Jean-Guy McCroy, who represented the Netherlands this year, did join us last week. Uh, great uh, to chat to him. You had the pleasure of doing so. What a wholesome man he is. What a lovely, lovely fella. Um, just to go back to what James said, uh, equally, if you don't want to tell us which of the Eurovision class of 2021 uh, you'd like in calendar form, then please don't. Don't feel obliged. Uh, anyway, Jongu, delightful. Love to have him on. And we got some great tweets from all of you listening. I say all of you. We didn't get a tweet from every single person. I'm going to bring two to your attention now. Honestly, this week has gone off the rails more quickly than any episode that we've done so far. I don't know why. Um, anyway, Michael. We love Michael. Michael in New York. Lovely to have regular Eurotrip podcast episodes back. Can't wait for the photo shoot of James and Rob tucked up in bed together in Turin. It'll be a perfect new cover image for the podcast. James, are you up for it? I mean, just to give you context, everybody, if you weren't listening last week, um, me and James are staying in an Airbnb in Turin, obviously, for Eurovision. And sleeping arrangements mean that we will be sharing a bed. You happy to put those images out there? Well, it doesn't look like we've got much choice in the matter now that there's a there's a strong desire from the audience that they want it now. So <laughs> let's roll with it. If we make some money from it as well, whew, let's go for it. Is one tweet from one person a strong desire from the audience? <laughs> I'm not sure it is. Uh, Vince, you also got in touch. He's a brilliant episode. Thank you so much. One of the most powerful song messages in this year's contest. Of course, referring to Jongu's entry in Rotterdam, Birth of a New Age. I think that was... Probably the most ridiculous start to a podcast we've had. So, to move on quickly before either of us says anything more ridiculous, should we get into this? That's right, it's time to get you up to speed on all the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, which I'll do in just a moment, but Rob, I must tell you that I've just had a message come through on WhatsApp from somebody you are dying to hear from. Any guesses who it could be? Now, given how much I've already said on today's episode about how much we'd love to hear from the Eurovision class of 2021, I can only assume that you're going to tell me that... (laughs) Tusa has just popped your WhatsApp. Is that what you need to tell me? Oh, this is far from it, sadly. But you'll be equally delighted to find out that uh, my grandma has just sent a WhatsApp message to me uh, for new listeners. Uh, she is um, she's an avid listener. Rob seems to have, I don't know what I was going to say there. Crush is the right word. Is that is that what I was looking for? Yeah. And um, she she sort of popped into an episode a couple of weeks ago and sort of interrupted us recording. Anyway, she's um, she's managed to get around to listen to that episode. She messaged saying, I just done a pile of ironing and listened back to the podcast from the 6th. Loved the Black Mamba interview as they were one of my favourites back in May. Uh, sorry again for interrupting when you were recording. 
And am I really one of the oldest listeners? <laughs> oh no, that's got back to her, hasn't it? I did fear that when we said that, Old it would past. get back to her. Does your grandma know that she doesn't have to exclusively listen while ironing and she can listen <laughs> at other times? Maybe she just has a lot of ironing. I, I really don't know. I, I must double check. But I'm, I might have to help her out. Get it on her phone. Take us for a lovely walk with her as well. We'll find out. She'd love that. She would love that. I'll tell you what else she'd like to know. Mm. Seg o'clock. She'd love to know what the latest news is in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've got all the latest news here and ready for you. Shall we take it away? Let's go to the news centre, by which I mean your living room. (laughs) What have you got for us? Well, shall we start with the news that we sort of brought you last week but didn't fully? Uh, Let's just remind you that Montenegro will return to the contest in 2022. Uh, It'll be the first time that they are back since 2019 when they failed to qualify in the grand final with Dimal and Heaven. Now, similarly, uh, well, actually, rather not similarly, Bosnia and Herzegovina will not come back in 2022 uh, due to ongoing financial complications. The last appearance was back in 2016. Uh, Serbia has so far received over 100 songs that are vying to represent the Balkan nation in the 2022 edition. A national final will select that in February. Czech Republic are planning an online selection as well in December, and rumour has it, Nicholas Joseph has entered a song. He, of course, holds the country's best result in a contest back in 2018 when he finished sixth in Lisbon. Now, over in Junior Eurovision, Mayu Levi-Lawler has been selected to represent Ireland. They are returning to the contest after being absent in 2020. His song will be released at a later date. Meanwhile, two-time winners Malta has selected Ike and Kaya to represent the Mediterranean nation. The track My Home was chosen by a 50-50 jury public vote last Saturday. And Spain's artist Levi Diaz has revealed his song, taking us up to 10 out of 19 artists selected so far, as well as just six songs. So let me remind you that the competition takes place on December the 19th, which, Rob, you'll love to hear this, is just 60 days away. It is very exciting, which means that me and you should probably sort out our travel plans for that, given that we are, I think at this point, more prepared for Turin than we are for Paris, and one is significantly nearer than the other. Yeah, it does seem that way, but we're not the only ones who are underprepared. Like I said, there's only 10 songs, uh, well, 10 artists, and only six songs. So the countries have got a load of work to do as well, so we're not the only ones. We certainly aren't. Are you going to put in a late bid to uh, represent any of the countries at Junior Eurovision? I think you're probably just about old enough. (laughs) Come on, come on. Not having that. Not even going to give you the satisfaction of answering that. Okay, fair enough. Well, it's a good job, because we haven't got time, because... As we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, not one, but two news guests for you on this week's episode. Uh, Joust, of course, the big interview coming up a little bit later on. We will hear James's chat with Toby Eck from everybody's favourite Swedish daily, Afton Bladet, shortly to hear what's going on with Melody Festivalen. But up first, I spent a lovely morning, not quite a morning, approximately 15 minutes, with Stella Yaladzi from Eurovision Fun. Now, they are, of course, a Greek news website looking at the Eurovision Song Contest, and there have been rumours aplenty as to who might be representing Greece at next year's contest in Turin. Loads of names in the frame, including a couple of names that have already represented Greece at the Eurovision Song Contest in the past. I started by asking Stella just how prized a ticket it was to represent Greece in Turin next year. Well, the interest is super high this year. It's like nothing like the previous years that we were just searching about someone to represent us. There were about uh, 25 artists and 40 songs. Um, The earth is going to see the songs nowadays and they're going to pick the three or four best songs. And then they're going to speak with the artist, think about um, the staging and everything, and they're going to pick the best song out of the three or four, out of the 40. And from what you've said, it sounds like the Greek broadcaster have got a lot of choice this year and a lot of artists that our listeners may have even heard before as well. And many options. I mean, there are artists like pop singers and ethnic songs are in the game this year, as we know. Um, rock songs, we have everything. Now, one of the names that has been talked about a lot is Calamira, who, of course, represented yes. Greece in 2008. Now, how likely do we think it is that she might be returning? Or do we think it's, I don't know, just another name in the rumour mill? She will not. The song is not uh, revealed, after all. And we don't know why she didn't. 
she recording the song. We know she was uh, with big names and she really wants to represent Greece again. But we don't know exactly what happened. And the last minute she decides not to go in Eurovision. So we can say that she's definitely not going to Turin. No, 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 no. I don't maybe she want to, you know, come to Greece after a decade and people will be like more excited about her. But, you know, she's out of the things she's lives in the United States the last decade. And, you know, many Greek people don't even know her nowadays, like young people and teenagers. So she may be being a little bit disappointing from the people, you know. Well, let, let's talk about some of the names it could be then, maybe. Or maybe yes. you're going to tell me they're definitely not going. I don't know. Um, Evangelina, that's a big name that we've heard about. Yes, she's a big name and she brings the ethnic vibes to Eurovision. Um, as we know, she's, she's having um, a pop song with ethnic vibes inside and it's going to be the Greek option about this year. And then we have another name who has represented Greece previously at the Eurovision Song Contest in 2013, which is Ilias Kozas. Do we think that he yeah. could be back this year? Yeah, it's a big name. Um, it's going to be a big comeback. And as we know, he brings the rock option this year. So he, ha- he has um, a Greek song and an English song. So he has two songs uh, with rock vibes. He's no. a big name and he has... The best position of Greece the last decade, so why not? Sixth place in in 2013, of course, wasn't it? So, I mean, are there other names in in the frame that you can talk to us about? Of course, I've I've named two, but who else is being talked about at the moment? Well, one of the big names is uh, Gudzovniki. He's a young artist. Uh, He's alternative. Um, His music is so European, you know, he's the different about Greece. It's not something that screams Greece when he saw him, but he's really young. He's really talented that the young people really want him to represent Greece. He's really famous in the teenagers nowadays. So do you think he is a, he's a, he's a good candidate given, especially after Manishkin as well, we know that a lot of young people will be interested in Eurovision in 2022. So maybe the broadcaster will, will look at that avenue as their preferred option. Who knows? Maybe. I believe he's a good option about Greece. He's something different. He's really young, he's talented, and he writes his own music. He's a good option about Greece. After that, we have Amanda. She lives in Norway. That reminds me a little bit of Stefania's stories. You know, she lives in Norway, she's Greek. Um, she writes her own music. She's young, she's talented. Um, her song is a ballad. It's a strong ballad, as we know. And that's going to be different for Greece too and maybe a really European song also. As, as a, a Greek follower of course of the Eurovision Song Contest how exciting is it that you have got so many artists who are willing to represent your country you know Greece have as you've said they've they've gone through a, a bit of a rocky patch with Eurovision but now they're they're back and of course after last year's good result as well it, it seems that you know it's a it's, it's a cool thing to represent Greece at Eurovision again. Yeah, that's the big deal. You know, um, I was in Rotterdam and we really celebrating the 10th place like, like we win, you know, like a winning um, because we know exactly what is going to happen the next year. And yeah, that's the most important thing that many artists want to represent Greece again in Eurovision because the last years was like, no, not for me because of the bad positions. And yeah, that's the most interesting that the earth broadcaster have many options and many choices. And I think out of the 40 songs, there's going to be one really good song. You're hopeful again of of a really good result next year. Yes, yes. And, you know, we see that they're really trying and they want to win Eurovision again. I mean, they made it clear we want to win again. We really want this about Greece. And that's the most important that we see see the contest as a serious contest and not as a game. One thing that we spoke to to Eurovision fun about last year, I know, or at least at the start of of this year, was that we may see a national final for Greece and the return of a national final. That's not going to happen in 2022. Is the plan that that's going to come in maybe for next year in in 2023? Or do we we have any more details on that at the moment? Uh, Look, about Greece, we don't know yet, but I, I think they want to have a national final again in the few years, but I'm not sure about next year. But we know about Cyprus for 20 and 23. Uh, they're going to have a talent show 
like, uh, you know, the voice or rising star, something like this. And the winner is going to represent Cyprus to Eurovision. That's a big thing. And I think it's a quite good decision about Cyprus because, and this year they want to bring back something Cypriot, something ethnic, not the same received they have the last years with the girl and the pop song and i think they're gonna do something better this year with the ethnic vibe and the next year with the talent so i think it's gonna be really better for them to have someone from cyprus they have great voices and many talented people so they're gonna give the chance to a young person to represent cyprus and that's a really good plan about cyprus next year so we'll watch this space as to what we've uh, what we've got to look forward to from, from Cyprus, but especially Greece. Stella, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's have a good Eurovision season. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Absolutely fantastic to have Stella on the podcast, Stella Yaladzi from Eurovision Fun. Hopefully we will hear from her again between now and the contest in Turin next year. Maybe when we find out who definitely is representing Greece or even Cyprus next year. Yeah, very excited to find out what Greece do. It's always one of those countries you look forward to as well because you don't quite know what they're going to do every year. You don't know which language it's going to be, if it's going to be pop or rock or ethnic ballad. Oh, just love it when you find out what Greece are doing. However, shall we hop on the plane and fly over to Sweden for news guest number two today? Because over the weekend, there was a big story that came from Aftonbladet, one of Sweden's leading daily newspapers, specifically Toby Eck, friend of the podcast, of course. And he wrote a story saying that Melody Festival was going to scrap the second chance round. Now, further reading would suggest it isn't as dramatic as it sounds. Instead, they are going to remove the duels from the show and instead put two groups of four songs together and the top two songs from each group go through to the final. Does that make sense? It's almost as confusing as the UK national final in 2019, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like the whole, like, three songs, uh, two artists, each to a song. It, yeah, that comes up later, doesn't it? I think with Joust as well. It certainly does, yeah. Of course, we've got Jow still to come later on. But Toby Eck uh, was very kind enough to join us earlier in the week for a quick chat about that. And also, he gives us a sneaky peek at who will be taking part in Melfest next spring. But first, uh, I started off by asking him why SVT have made the change to Melody Festivalen. The reason for SVT scrapping uh, the second chance competition is because it, it has it, it has gotten kind of a, a, a bad tone to it. Um, the the artists and and the record labels and the songwriters haven't seen the second chance as something positive. It's it's rather been considered uh, as a negative. Uh, and also the the reason why SVT had the second chance to start with was. Okay, so here are songs that the audience like, but there might be something in the performance or, or something in the, in the show that they want to change. They get a second chance to make the best performance uh, for the audience. But, but the last five or almost 10 years, uh, there hasn't been a lot of changes in the performance. You used to call what we call uh, Jesus Christ. This is uh, <laughs> this is semantics now because normally in English speaking we call we call all, all the competitions semi-finals. But now you need to find a new name for them. Perhaps you will call them quarterfinals from now on, uh, because in Swedish we call them DL finale, which is kind of a part final, a weird name actually. Uh, to 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 get the. Um, uh, to get a little bit of a, of, a, of a nicer touch to it, SVT is now introducing the semi-final so that, that you can either uh, lose and not qualify at all, or you can qualify straight to the final, or you qualify for a semi, uh, or for the semi. So, so they are hoping that this will mean a little bit more for the contestants but they are also scrapping the most exciting thing about the second chance contest they're scrapping the duels instead they will now have two groups with four acts in each group and two acts from each group will qualify for the final now first of all 
shall we call the first four shows, shall we call them heats? Is that a good enough term for it, do you think? Thank you. Yes. I, I was looking through my head and I was like, <laughs> what, what are, what's the name here? Yes, they are heats. Perfect. Now, what we're looking at really is the, the loss of the duels, which, as you mentioned, is one of the most exciting parts of the second chance round in itself. Are we effectively going to get a greater variety of songs in the final now that we're going to have these two groups? Is that going to be a benefit, do you think? I, either a, a better variety. I, I, that might not be the right term. I would say that we will ensure that the best songs qualify from the semi to the final because when when you put to when they put the the songs head to head uh, quite often it's been uh, two songs in the same genre beating it out and and th that's been the main thing and quite often you notice that there there might be two favorites in the same duel whereas now we we will ensure that that the most popular songs will make it through to the final and i think that that is good for the competition now, if we look at some of the changes we've seen over the, the Bjorkman era, you know, we've seen wild cards introduced and then taken away. We've seen the number of songs actually competing in the competition grow and then shrink as well. How big of a change is this in comparison, do you think? Well, when it comes to uh, the second chance, this is the biggest makeover since the second chance heat was introduced as its own uh, its own week with its own arena show and all that, and that happened in 2007. And this is this is the biggest change for that. But we do not know yet what other changes might come when it comes to Melody Festival and next year. I am hoping for a change in the in the voting system, for instance. Uh, but I also know that SVT they don't want to make too big of a change at once. They, they like to do small adjustments rather than throwing it all up in the air and, and switching everything around. Now, you mentioned that SVT sometimes don't want to make big changes. They want to make small changes every now and again. Do you think this is actually a good year to start making big changes so that they can effectively put a new stamp on the era without Krista Bjorkman? I would say this is the perfect time. They should have already changed everything. In, in my opinion, uh, Melody Festival, and uh, I love the competition. I love the TV shows, but it is time for a change. And uh, I, I wouldn't be, I, I would have hoped for them to have changed the format even more to, to make it into eight shows with four, four songs each, each week or, or make it into two shows where it was just a, a semi-final and a final and, and perhaps make it into a big gala out of it or something like that to, to really throw everything up in the air and shake it about because uh, I think that the competition is in need of that looking at our results in Eurovision we need a big change to kind of um, shake things up. Well, one thing we didn't get this year that we are going to see next year, thankfully, we'll keep our fingers crossed for it at least, is Melody Festival and going on tour around Sweden again. That must be very exciting. I can see in your face already. That is very exciting, isn't it? Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, and we were all very surprised because it came from, from the, um, uh, the head of Melody Festival, Annette Bratström, uh, when she introduced Oscar Sia as, as uh, next year's host. Uh, she also said, and we're bringing Melfest on tour. And this was, it was basically six hours before uh, uh, Sweden was notified that the restrictions were going to be lifted. And the thing is, SVT didn't know either. They, they were just planning for, let's hope that we can do this. And we need to kind of say, we're going to do it. If God's, if, if God's willing, we will do it. So we were all like, what do they know that we don't know? Uh, and now we're very happy about uh, about Melfest being on tour, of course, again. And I think that for SVT, it is very important to be a broadcaster for the whole of Sweden. And Melfest is a very good opportunity for them to bring the uh, bring the the brand of SVT and bring the show out into the country and to to different places around Sweden. Uh, although I'm a little bit surprised over the the choices of the host cities. But they also had, of course, to go with host cities that were prepared to kind of gamble a bit. Either way, though, it's great that it's going to be on tour again. We've got the audience back. We get to see the country. Oh, just great news, isn't it? Great news. Well, 
as a TV viewer, do you actually get to see any of the country? You see the exact <laughs> same stage, but it's just in a different arena. Sometimes in the postcards, we might get a, a little look at the, the underground system or something like that, but not a great deal, sure. not as much as you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Toby, we can't chat to you. We can't let you go without having a little look at some of the artists that are swirling around looking at, at competing in 2022. What can you tell us? You're the man in the know. Absolutely. And, and what people are talking about right now is that it's a lack of the really, really big names. And when I say big names, uh, they might be different uh, compared to big names in, in the Eurovision world. Uh, because a lot, a lot of the Eurovision fans, they love uh, r- repeating artists, uh, artists that they've, they know from Melfest previously. Uh, they want them back. And, and, and those names might be big for the Eurovision audience. But for the Swedish TV viewers, they are kind of the, the average names. And, and the Swedish viewers want to have the, the really odd comeback or, or, the, or the big artist that hasn't done Melfest previously. But I can reveal it is two returning uh, male artists. One has won Melfest previously and one uh, is a winner of Swedish Idol. Uh, that has also done Melfest previously and been successful. Uh, the first one is Robin Bengtsson returning to the competition. Uh, he, it's his, it will be his fourth time and he did win with uh, I Can't Go On ending up fifth place in, uh, in Eurovision. Uh, and apparently he's got a real banger. And the second artist returning is Liamo. Uh, who has competed twice before. He, he did win the Swedish Idol in 2016, and then he competed in Melfest 2018 and 2019, 2019 as a duet with Hannah Firm. Uh, and um, I know that he has been writing songs together with uh, quite a lot of established Melfest songwriters, but my sources cannot confirm which of those songs actually is the one he's going to compete with. But uh, it's... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm quite sure that, that he's in it to win it this time. Those two names are going to get the, the juices flowing in a lot of fans because those are two very exciting names, aren't they, Toby? Um, if people are wanting to sort of keep up to date with some more names that are coming through, where's the best place to keep up to date with all of your, your rumours and your new stories? Well, you know, uh, we publish everything on aftonbladet.se. And this is where the stories go. I've got a blog as well. Uh, I will keep updating the blog, but most of the stories will become news articles, of course. But uh, everything is on aftomlodet.se. You can also follow my Twitter at Tobe underscore Ek, which is, um, you know, I'll I'll put links up there whenever I've got anything new to to spread. Perfect. Toby, great to chat to you as ever. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. You are listening to the Eurotrip. Great as ever to have Toby Eck join us here on the podcast to chat all things Melody Festival. He really is the man in the know, isn't he? But now, for the next few weeks, we're delighted to be supported by our friends at the brand new Eurovision exhibition based in Husevik in Iceland. Now, the really exciting thing now is that the exhibition is actually open. It feels like we've been talking about it for ages, but it is actually open now. Icelandic Eurovision star Greta Salome did the honours last Friday. The doors are open wide if you want to check out their incredible rooms. They're dedicated to all things Iceland at Eurovision. And, of course, that brilliant exhibit full of props from the Fire Saga movie itself, including Demi Lovato's exploding arm. What's not to love? Yeah, you can't write it, can you? You can't write it. Now, each week here on the podcast, we're bringing you an Icelandic word that we think could help you if you decide to make the trip. And this week, it's Rob's turn again. So, Rob, what have you got this time? Right, I'm going to get straight to it. We've had some decent words so far, some very useful words, especially if you wanted to get to the airport. I think we've had the so far the Icelandic word for taxi and for airport. Uh, today, I bring you the word, which is... Kuvoldmator. <laughs> so, Kuvoldmator, what does it mean? I think if we're going to stick to the theme of travelling, you've arrived at the airport, you've been in a taxi, what else do you need? You need a hotel. That's my guess. Okay, well, you could have this 
in the airport, maybe if you had a night flight, because Kvoldmator is Icelandic, or the Icelandic word for dinner. Oh, that's really annoying because I was also going to guess restaurant and I feel like I would have gotten some fake points that we're not really doing. I feel like I could have got a point for that. That's a bit annoying, isn't it? It is. But yeah, if you uh, if you feel a bit peckish in the evening, go out there. See if you can find yourself some kvoldmatur. Probably don't say it like that because who knows? Who knows what you'll get? It's definitely not pronounced like that. But give it a try anyway. I was going to say that would be useful to know if you make the trip. It will if you learn how to pronounce it correctly, at least. Yeah, and don't forget that if you do make the trip over there, that the exhibition is still growing and they want your contributions as well. So if you've got any pictures of any of your favourite Eurovision memories, maybe a trip to the contest, or if you've met an act before, then you can send them over to eurovision at husevik.com. And for more info and pictures showing you what to expect, make sure you follow them on Twitter. They are at Eurohusevik. Now then, let's get back to the podcast. This is the Euro Trip. That's right, you are listening to the Eurotrip 8 blockbuster episode of the podcast. We have already heard from Stella from Eurovision Fun in Greece about who their entry might be in Turin next year. And we've also heard from Afton Blood, it's Toby Eck, about who could be and who is going to be in Melody Festival in 2022. We will hear from Joust in just a second. But James, we somehow got onto the subject of which of the Eurovision class of 2021 we would like to see in calendar form earlier in the podcast. Yes, we did. And I don't know where you're going to now take us because I thought we'd sort of left that conversation to the beginning of the podcast and to never be spoken about again. Well, I've got some good news for you because a tweet has literally just appeared. Are you ready? You go for it. Well, I'm delighted to tell you that you can now pre-order your 2022 official Fizz calendar. That's right. (laughs) You too can have your, not Bucks Fizz, of course, importantly, for legal reasons. You can get your Fizz calendar now at thefizzshop.co.uk. This isn't a sponsored ad, everybody. I'm just telling you, you can go out there, you can find your Fizz calendar. Uh, All new pictures, apparently. All new photos. Don't delay order today <laughs> and to get 10% off of that no no that's not really. <laughs> enter the code eurotrip at no definitely don't do that that's not a thing you can do uh, but that now does mean that i know what i'm getting you for christmas oh i cannot wait which means also if we work it out it is 66 days until christmas and i can open my fizz calendar how very exciting we can open it but you can't use it importantly for another week <laughs> all right okay Shall we, shall we move on? Shall we get to Joust? Because Joust is pretty good, actually. Do you reckon he's got his own calendar? I wish I'd asked him. I wish I had asked him. I'll, I'll search for that while you do this next bit. Okay, we'll get back to you on the calendar front for Joust. However, absolutely wonderful to have the man himself, the man behind the mask, here on the Eurotrip. Of course, he represented Norway alongside Alexander Wildman uh, back in 2017 in Kiev with Grab the Moment. And since then as well, he has been involved in a couple more songs to try and represent Norway again. And also, as you'll hear a little bit later on, he tells us about his adventure to try and help the BBC out and his plans to return to the contest very, very soon. But I started off by asking him to take us on a little bit of a journey from when he started music to when he took the plunge to enter Melody Grand Prix back in 2017. I kind of started working with music in general in 2011 when I started in a a studio and I recorded bands and stuff like rock bands and metal bands and country artists and jazz trios and everything. And uh, throughout those years from 2011 until 2017 or 16, <clears throat> I, I were like all, all, only like working for other artists. And all the time I, I wanted to like make my own songs. So like in 2016, I like decided to finish a song. And for this one, I, I wanted it to become a really successful song. So I am... Um, I, I uploaded like the version number one, like the first draft of that song. And I said, this is what I'm supposed to make it turn into a hit. And then everybody said like, oh, this sounds nice. And oh, this won't be a hit, but it sounds cool though. Just keep doing what you're doing and stuff like that. And then I got somebody to sing on it and write the song with me, a guy called Jonas McDonald. 
and uh, people were saying like, yeah, oh, the, the, you shouldn't have rap in there. And then we changed the rap into a, a singing instead and stuff like that. And and when we were at verse number 22, I sent I sent it to to MGP, like the Norwegian Eurovision thing. And they got about 1,200 songs in. And I believe we were number 11. Like they were supposed to have 10 songs in the final. Uh, and I think that there was somebody who like dropped out last minute. And then they called me last minute uh, and asked if if I would want to join with that song. And I said no, um, because I I had already gotten like a record deal with Warner Music. So I said, I have other plans now for that song. And then they said, but you can do both. You can do that and you can do this at the same time. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I talked to my, my label and we decided to do that. And I had not like... Uh, made any any visual concepts or anything i didn't know if i was supposed to show my face or not or anything it it, it came very suddenly so i i decided to 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 make this illusion of a person that was supposed to be uh like it was supposed to be a mask that was able to show anything not just lights but anything like an ipad almost uh, and i was supposed to like yeah, turn it into some kind of illusion that Joust could be anybody <laughs> and there was like a big ideas and so like other producers and stuff and, and artists and young people could like see themselves there or something like that I, I don't know uh, but then I, I got Alexander Wallman to sing on the song because Jonas the original vocalist didn't want to do the the Eurovision concept but he would like the song to be there. So he were willing to just step out and let somebody else step in. And so Alexander Wollman did that. And then we did that. And then we won the Norwegian final and then we did Eurovision and that was huge. I'm gonna kill that voice in my head. I don't care about falling. I'm gonna grab the moment. I'm gonna kill that voice in my head. I don't care about falling. I'm gonna grab the moment. What a massive yeah. journey it was, wasn't it? What was it like to take part in the Norwegian final? And because we've seen the show develop over the last couple of years where they've got these semi-finals now, but when you took part, it was just one show. What was that like? Did you go in expecting such a good result or was that not the plan really? I, the thing is that I was I was I was getting my daughter my first child or last or yeah my my, my one child uh, at the same time and uh, so and that took a lot of focus uh, and the um, when 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 she was given birth uh, she she would do that about on like the same day as the final so i the thing with the 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 joust mask and stuff was also that it was supposed to be a plan B that somebody else could step in behind my mask because I, I would need to go to the the birth. So if uh, if your wife had given birth on the day of the final, you could have just stepped away and anybody could have been wearing that mask. Yeah, well, not anyone. It would need to be somebody who, who was like a DJ or, or something <laughs> like that. But yes, it would be possible. So just to be clear, it definitely was you. You were the one yeah, on the was. stage wearing the mask. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, my daughter came two weeks early. So I had, uh, I had not, uh, she came like the day before the press conference where everybody was uh, uh, announced. Uh, so when I came to the press conference where we were <laughs> announced, I hadn't slept in two or uh, three days. I was like, really? <laughs> uh, but I had some kind of makeup on, so I didn't look that tired, but, uh, but I was really tired. I did think that we could win. I thought the song was great. And and I I, I knew from the past that the songs in, in that final usually are like not all great. They are uh, more like there's one type of song that is very good for people who like country and one that is very good for people who like super energetic EDM. And there's one song that is really nice for those who like rock and stuff like that. So. I felt like this was a nice type of song that would uh, be likable to people within different genres. 
so I did I did actually bet on myself. Oh, did you? Unlike the betting thing on the internet. What did you buy with your winnings then? I don't remember, but it was like a nice amount. You know, when you were an artist in the Norwegian final, you don't get too much money for doing that. <laughs> you you get like uh, a f- you don't you don't, almost don't get anything. <laughs> so I could I, with those that winning, I could pay my bills. And how special was it to be doing that alongside Alexander? Because for you, uh, you know, as a music producer, as an artist, it must have been a massive step to take, you know, to take to take part in Eurovision itself. But you, of course, had Alexander by your side for that whole time. Mm-hmm. How special was it to have him yeah. there with you? I did, and he was great. He was uh, he he was the best uh, person to have uh, to to do that with. We're we're pretty different, me and him, uh, like. Um, I'm I'm more like negative, <laughs> and he's he's more positive. Uh, and so in the interview, I would like talk about the, the 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 bad stuff, and he would talk about the good stuff, and together it would be uh, like a nice blend. If you're Mr. Negative, then surely you can remember some some positive moments at least from your time in Kiev. I did I did remember that whole time as a really positive thing. It was no I. I I don't think I was angry at that at that event ever. Maybe only when when the TV channel told us we couldn't drink <laughs> uh, during the the like when we were at the arena and stuff. Not, not that we're like uh, we're in the need of alcohol. It was just it was it's just nice to have a beer or some every now and then. <laughs> Of course, the, the main reason you went to Kiev was to perform the song "Grab the Moment." What memories do you have about? actually performing it on stage in the semi-final and in the grand final. It was like a really nice song to perform. Even though I'm not I'm not really performing musically as the other artists are because everyone else is singing and I'm not. Alexander did sing, so he, he did that. But my performance was more like a, a stage show. It meant for like a, not, not an atmosphere, but like, the type, the right type of vibe for the song. <laughs> so I did like only pretend to play. Well, I did play them, but you couldn't hear the actual sound coming from them. Uh, you hear the the pre-recorded guitar instead of the live guitar. But uh, but it, but the performance was really really great. But I when when you do that, when you know that there's two hundred million people watching, you go into so you get nervous beforehand and then you tur- all that nerve uh, the 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 nervousity turns into some kind of autopilot and it was a fantastic result as well wasn't it i mean top 10 in the grand final of a eurovision song contest there's not many people who can yeah. say that so you must be chuffed with that result well at the, at that night i was not uh, really happy with the result i was hoping for even better but you know when we when we did go there and when we did promote the song and we did the tour and we did the the show and everything we did it um with the we tried to do it as good as possible in order to win or to get uh, as nice result as possible so that night i felt that the 10th place was kind of bad but the day after i was more satisfied and now i'm super satisfied with the, the 10th place you mentioned before about how you don't play the instruments live on stage. What do you think about some of these rules? Would you like to see some of them change to make it a bit more modern? We did. We did get to, to change the rules uh, for for our year when we did the vocal chop thing in the background vocals. I think those things should be allowed to be be played in the backing track or live. Like I would be able to play that on my keyboard, but. There's, I, I do understand that it's not allowed because it's a few more things that could go wrong. Like I could, I could like within like a second, just touch a button and then uh, switch over to the pig sounds on the keyboard instead. <laughs> and it would be, <laughs> and then that was, wouldn't be, uh, well, that would be fun though, but it wouldn't be um, uh, good. And I do, uh, it's, it's like a, the hugest, uh, the biggest um live event of the year so uh, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong and when it's live so i do understand that it's not allowed back to your 
result you said you know top 10 eventually you you thought you know I'm quite happy I'm satisfied with it but then you came back again didn't you in 2018 you know at least tried to go back to the Eurovision Song Contest was that just because you loved it so much in 2017 you thought I want to get back there and you, you did it as well again with Alexander didn't you yeah so yeah so the year after 2018 I did do that song talk to the hand with the same um uh, songwriter as grab the moment Jonas McDonald um <clears throat> but a third guy as well called Minus who plays the bass and then I was like looking through uh, Instagram and I saw him play the bass he played that dum 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 and then I was like th- I was walking my my kid in the stroller and I swiped down and saw that and mm, that was cool and and I told him hey c- can I have that did you make that and he said yes I did make that and I said can I have that and turn that into a song and he said yeah sure uh, and and I told him you have to take it down because it can't can't be available anymore and he did that and then I I made like an instrumental based on that bass um, riff and I uh, send it to Jonas and he made a song but in 2020, 20, 20, 2020, <laughs> uh, I did this the song for Magnus Booken, Over the Sea. And um, then I was like more committed to the, to the song and the act in general. So I did go there and make sure that the dancer were, were doing the stuff that is uh, like appropriate for the song and that the colors were right and the timing on the stage. And I was kind of Magnus's uh, manager uh, almost during the show. And for that song in 2020, you worked alongside uh, Alexander Reback as well. Was that the first time you'd worked alongside him? Yes, it was actually. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did meet him once before that, before making the song, uh, on like this uh, this songwriting camp that I have called Oslo Songwriting Camp, um, where he joined us for one day, and uh, I didn't work with him then, but we got like to know each other a little bit, and then um, I like just invited him to the studio one day, and uh, he came to the studio and he made. Like he started making that song with me. He made the violin stuff and he tried to sing. Well, he did sing a little bit on that song and like tweaked the lyrics a little bit. But that was it for him. That was only the, the his part. He he only worked one day for that song. Uh, but I did uh, um, most of the work with Magnus. Would that be an ambition to work with another artist who's been to Eurovision? You write the yeah. song. They write the song with you. One of them performs it. And then you take it to Eurovision again. Would that be a would that be a dream? Yes. Well, I still have a dream about winning Eurovision. Not as an artist, that that would be like harder. But as a songwriter, I think it's possible because, uh, yeah, I've I've been trying to make uh, really nice songs, and whatever whatever future those songs have is all right. And Eurovision is great. And there's there's like when it comes to the success of a song, there's things outside Eurovision that is probably better <clears throat> for like the biggest hits in the world aren't Eurovision songs it is other songs but Eurovision winners is usually very popular songs and successful songs and that's also cool so I've been like working with music with the Eurovision in mind and there's a few songs that it's like made for Eurovision that I have been making that hasn't been released that make maybe will be a Eurovision song somehow is sometime in the future. I actually tried this year to, to make a song for a certain country who needed a song. And it turned out to be a really nice song. I made that one with, uh, with Lasse from Finland and Jana from Macedonia in 2017. And that turned into a really nice. Song. I think that song will be a Eurovision song somehow sometime. Are you allowed to tell us which country you were trying to get that song for? Or is it got to be a secret in case it goes back next year? Yeah, I think it's going to be a secret. Yeah, it's going to be a secret. One of the things that isn't a secret is the plan you had for 
2019 for the United Kingdom? Because in 2018, you started a bit of a, a campaign to try yeah. and write a song for the UK. <clears throat> Where did that idea initially come from? <laughs> it was it was mainly because of Twitter. I'm I'm very I'm very motivated by uh, by uh, you know when people say you can't do something like you're not able to do that and then you get motivated to show them like you can and it's it has been seeming like people like the general population of UK is more negative towards the Eurovision concept in general than people in other countries. And I feel my, my way of doing Eurovision is just to make a song that is as good as possible, not thinking of Eurovision, but only thinking of the song and the potential artist for that song. And I feel like in order for the general population of UK to kind of like the contest, is to make them realize that uh, the song they have is a good song and that it's not a song made for your vision, but it's just a normal song. And I believe if that happened to, <laughs> to the UK population, that they actually like the song, a song comes a top four within the country and nobody knows why the song was released or anything. It's just a great song at radio. And then they sit by the, the TV and watch the show and they are like kind of laughing and like oh this is going to be so much fun and then they see that song and hey wait a minute i actually like that song <laughs> that's the thing i think that is needed for like the general population of uk to like the contest and and that was like my motivation and i felt like i had to do that and at the same time i know that the uk has been sending uh, or choosing artists that is not quite the within the maximum potential of the artist that is actually working as artists at, in in UK. There's like the UK has the best and the most successful artists in the world, but they are not within the most successful contest in the world, and that's like a a big uh, there's there's an error <laughs> that needs to be fixed. So how far did you get with the BBC then? Did you, you know, did you write them an email? Did you come to the UK? Did you have a meeting with them? Of course, you'd written the song and you've, you've publicly released that now, that song as well now. Yeah. But how far did you get with the BBC themselves? I did try two things. I, Because I felt like if I, if I got an artist that was willing to do it and that had a nice song that I was a part of writing, uh, then... I could go to BBC and say, this artist are willing to do the, the contest with this song. I would, I would think that they would say yes to that, but it seemed like it, that was impossible. It seemed like uh, BBC would not be able to like choose their plan for, for their national finals and stuff. It, it was, it was a really clumsy way of doing a final. It was like, I don't remember quite. It was three songs and six artists doing uh, those three songs or something like that. Yeah, it was three songs, but in different styles that year. That's terrible. That's, 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 that's bullshit. That's super strange. That's so strange. It's, that's not a, that's, I do understand why the artists in UK don't want to do Eurovision because that's not a way to do music. Like, an artist wouldn't do that. What else have you got on your agenda at the moment? What are, what are your plans for the rest of 2021? My my schedule is is normally uh, super hectic and busy for two weeks. And after two weeks, I look like I don't have a job. Uh, a goal that I have is to make a song for Eurovision 2022. And uh, so, and that takes a while. I'm going to like not try super hard and stressful in like call everybody I know now. I will just casually make a few nice songs and I will casually try to find the artists that are looking for those type of songs and see if it could happen the right way. And uh, at the same time, uh, I am focusing on writing songs for other artists or producing and writing songs for other artists. So I'm just trying to... I'm 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 doing that every now and then, and and uh, I'm just trying to make that more successful, kind of like trying to get to work with more 
awesome people <laughs> and trying to make sure that the record labels are like choosing those songs to be the priority song in the album and stuff like that. Yeah. This is the Euro Trip. Wonderful to hear James with Joust on the podcast and you've had to wait about 20 minutes for the answer but very disappointed to tell you that unfortunately Joust doesn't have his own calendar. Oh no, so we're going to have to stick with the fizz? We're going to have to stick with the fizz, who knows, we might get some some more calendars announced between now and, and Christmas time so unwrap something on Christmas day and uh, who knows which former European artist may be <laughs> Maybe in your little present pile next year. Wow, watch this face. Great though to hear from Joust, wasn't it? He had so many stories about everything. No matter what we asked him, he had a great story. And I'm very excited to find out if he will return to the contest next year. Yeah, like a super group he was talking about, wasn't he? Like him and Yana from 2017. And yeah, very exciting to see him back, Yana back, any of them. Any of them. Any former Eurovision artists, I'd love to have him back. And also nice to hear him talk about Alexander Ryback as well. Yeah, absolutely lovely. We love a returning artist at the contest, don't we? As much as we love new artists, it's always good to see an old one come back again. But now, speaking of an old friend, shall we do the one second song? I think we very much should. Uh, You, given that we have already rambled on for far too long in this podcast, can tell us how many points are on offer and what people have to do, because you always do it significantly more succinctly than I do. Are you ready? Three, two, one. We're about to play the very first second of a Eurovision song. All you have to do is try and guess the artist, the song title, the year it competed and the country it represented. And me and James take it in turns to challenge each other, I think was the only thing left to say. Uh, This week, James, you are guessing, along with the listener, I have provided this week's one second song. So for the first time, for you and the listeners at home, let's have a listen. Oh dear. Now, it sounds familiar. It definitely sounds familiar. I've heard this before. However... As a Eurovision fan, I would hope you had indeed heard it before, as is the joy of this feature. But you're telling me that you're, you're struggling this week. I'm not as confident as you were last week, and I'm definitely not as confident as I was the week before that. I think I need it again. Oh, this is agonising. This is really, really agonising, because I know fine well I've heard this before, but I don't know where I've heard it before. Oh. I think we might have to do a classic James guess here. I'm excited. Are we going to get some uh, made-up Eurovision artists? I think we might. We might have to get one. So, who have we had on the podcast? We've had Joust on the podcast today. Comes from Norway. So, I'm going to say Norway. Uh, Let's go 1991. (laughs) The grimace in your face suggests I'm well off here. Let's say you are mine tonight. (laughs) <laughs> is this a guess or a proposition <laughs> you are mine tonight by sylvia gutenberg right uh very good very good and i almost want to award and i almost want to award a point for creativity unfortunately you are 18 years out oh wow presumably i'm 18 years too early you are 18 right. years too early uh, this is 2009 any, any oh, yeah. Oh, now no. I know. It's Iceland, isn't it? Yeah, oh. it's Iceland 2009. It's Joanna with Is It True? Let's have a listen. You say you really know me, you're not afraid to show me what is in your eyes. Come and Now, important disclaimer, everybody, uh, this is the national final version, but I don't think that made a difference for James. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I didn't get it. Thanks for providing me with an excuse now. That's exactly why I didn't get it. Yeah, so the tenuous link, any ideas? I am none the wiser. Did Joust, is he a cousin of Johanna? 
That'd be good, wouldn't it? Would no, he's not, unfortunately. Uh, it's quite tenuous. Uh, Joust, of course, mentioned, and you asked him, about working with Alexander Ryback. Alexander Ryback, of course, winning Eurovision in 2009. Who was the runner-up that year? It was Joanna for Iceland. And also, we mentioned that the Eurovision exhibition in Husavik has now opened, where you can find Joanna's dress that she wore in the Eurovision Grand Final that year. Very, very clever. So well done if you were better than me. Well done if you got four points and the magical bonus fifth point for guessing how it had a link to this week's podcast. You did much better than I did. What was it, 18 years out? Just the 18 years too early you were, yeah. So uh, no points on the board for you this week, but it was about time that one of us had a capitulation in a one second song and I'm very sure that that'll also be me in the same position this time next week. Well, I think I'm just going to call it a hiccup. That sounded very dramatic, whatever word you just used it. Called a hiccup. Yeah, I didn't do too well. But that brings us to the end of this week's, it was a bit of a bumper episode, so thanks very much for sticking all the way through. We heard from Stella, of course, and Toby and Joust. A massive jam-packed episode this week, and we plan to bring you another one next Wednesday as well. We certainly do. I don't know what you were doing at the start of this week's episode, but a lot of time has now passed between what you were doing then and what you're doing now. You've probably been able to fit in all sorts. If James's grandma has listened to this, honestly, the amount of ironing that she's going to have been able to get through during the course of this episode, she won't have to do any for another month. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. But of course, we'll be back with you next Wednesday with that brand new episode and to keep up to date with us during the week and to send us any messages don't forget we're on twitter and instagram we are at eurotrip podcast and you can send us an email hello at eurotrippodcast.com but until next week don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars from me james it's goodbye and from me rob it's goodbye excuse me oh it's a cheese sandwich coming up from earlier Nice. Pickle? Uh, cheese and coleslaw, actually. Oh. Mm. Butter? Nope. No. That's correct, no. I think you get enough moisture yeah. from the coleslaw, don't you? Oh, you're an animal. <laughs> People who don't put butter on sandwiches are absolutely insane. I, I never put butter on a sandwich. Never, oh, ever, ever. I could have predicted that. I could have <laughs> predicted that. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.